Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi everyone, it's Shay here and welcome back to another episode of Kombucha and Color. Today, Anna and I are going to be chatting about different morning routines and morning rituals. We are aiming to have this podcast episode out in January at the beginning of 2021. And we thought it would be a really good time for everybody to just think about how they start their days, which can impact on how you start your year, which, as you know, it's all this like cumulative effect of everything, which we're going to speak more about in the show. But welcome, Anna. Um, How are you doing? today yeah no I'm having a good day today maybe we should just fully disclose that this is we're 29th of October actually recording this episode so when everybody listens to it we'll be a couple of months ahead but today is a good day so 29th of October went down in history for me is a good day (laughs) (laughs) well that is good to hear and actually what's what triggered this idea for this podcast was I have been doing for the past, I would say two months or three months even, I've been doing this very specific morning routine, morning ritual for myself. And it's had such a grounding impact on my nervous system. We are in the middle of a house move at the moment. I am pregnant. There's COVID that's kind of lingering and we're not really sure what the, there's so much uncertainty with that. And so it's just been so interesting for me to observe how grounding and how grounded and stable I feel in amidst all of this external chaos that's going on around. And I've been reflecting on why that is for me at the moment. And one of the big things that it comes down to is this morning routine, this morning ritual that I have established for myself. And I thought it would be really useful to offer that to people as we begin the new year, as we think about how we want to start the year, how we want to start our days and offer some insights and inspiration for that. Yeah. And I've also recently changed my morning routine and for various reasons, which we can maybe talk about in more details, we go into the show, but it's, it's really funny, you know, as you say, Shay, that like, you've just felt that you've been feeling so much more grounded despite everything that's been going on. And um, that was exactly the reason why I changed my routine. So I think with everything that's going on in the world right now, and who knows where we will be in January when when people are perhaps listening to this, but this year has definitely called in a lot more need to really make these grounding practices part of your life or at least part of my life because there is just so much uncertainty in the world right now. And I think this pandemic has really taught us that sometimes the only thing we can hold on to is what is inside of ourselves. Mm. Absolutely agree with that. And I think that you raise a good point about this idea of 
where we are right now in terms of the external world is forcing us into these routines that stabilize us, that keep us connected to earth, that keep us grounded. And I think it's useful to remember that the seasons that we are in our lives call for different routines and different things. And um, that's certainly been my experience over this last time. And I was reflecting to Anna before we pushed record that a couple of months ago or even you know last year, my morning routine would or loosely morning routine would have been wake up and immediately let's do yoga, let's do movement or let's do some kind of exercise or getting the body like kind of good to go and energized in some way. And that would have served its purpose for me and who I was and what I needed and wanted to achieve back then. And now my morning routine looks very different to that. I start with a completely different energetic approach to the day, which really serves me really well. And I think that we'll kind of get into this idea of when you take the time to slow down from the beginning, it creates a different internal state as you enter your day. And that is definitely what I have noticed as I have taken these four basic steps to start my day each morning. Yeah, I've I've also found the shift in like the energy with which I wanted to start my day. So I think very similar to you, Shay, is that in the summer, especially when it's light, I was walking down to the beach every single morning. I think I, I didn't miss a day for probably about six weeks at least. And, and then I'd miss it one day and then kind of get back into routine. So every single morning I was walking down to the beach, which is like a 10 minute walk. I was maybe having a, a 10 minute swim in the sea and then another, then maybe sitting on the beach for a little bit and then another 10 minute walk back to the house. So there was always some movement like every single morning to start my day and then what followed was then I need to shower then I need to get ready then I need to dry my hair and get dressed and then what I was realizing was that there was just so much happening before I'd even sat down and become present with a client and as my schedule started to get a little bit busier in September October time because that's just the natural kind of swing of things once the kids go back to school generally business usually gets a little bit busier for me I realized I'm just trying to squish like so much stuff into the beginning of my day and how I show up with my clients is really important to me. And if I want to show up energized with my clients, I I want to make sure that I'm grounded and I'm connected. And I would say not that my, my morning movement routine necessarily ungrounds me, but for where my energy levels are at as I'm still recovering from chronic fatigue, it's it's just, it's a lot more on my body than it would be for somebody who's very healthy and well. So naturally, possibly also in connection with the seasons, but also in connection with the change in my schedule, I just noticed like I really want to slow down more in the morning so that I have then a greater capacity to hold my day. Mm. So what does your morning routine or ritual look like at this point in time? So currently what it looks like is I wake up and I go straight into meditation. And what's really interesting is this has always been something that I have struggled with. Even if I did meditate in the morning, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm going to have a coffee first, or I'm going to look at my phone first. There was always a little bit of procrastination there. And I'm, I'm not too sure what that was about, but for the first time ever, I've really managed to build this routine where I'm just up I grab my phone, which is on airplane mode. So, you know, I'm not checking any notifications or anything like that. 
you know, plug my headphones in, I get seated, and then I've been doing an hour's meditation every single morning. After that, there's a little bit more flexibility. So I may have a tea or a coffee with Ben afterwards. I may do a little bit of movement if my energy allows. And what's really great about the meditation is it slows me down enough so I can say today is a good day to do some movement or actually today I just need to take things a little bit more gently. And then the usual shower, I've gone back to my cold showers because I'm no longer swimming in the sea. So that's just another thing that I've added into my routine. And then, and then I want, I usually like to be at my desk by about 8.30 because my first client is usually at nine. So that allows me just to do a few things I need to do in preparation and then be ready for my clients at nine o'clock. And then I'll have breakfast later because I generally observe longer fasted hours. So that has been my current routine I can't say I've been doing it for ages, but I've been doing it consistently now for the past 17 days. And I said I want to continue until my birthday, which is about another three weeks away. So and then I'll just reevaluate. And I think what I wanted to say when you mentioned about the seasons was that very often we get very attached to our routines and we form habits and we form behaviors. And it's very easy to keep on doing these things because it's what we've always done. Long ago, I would have been like up, have a caffeinated coffee, get my adrenaline pumping, drive to the gym, do a hard workout, come home, eat. And then it was just, you know, it was just a lot that I was squeezing into my mornings. And when I started to let go of that, it felt really wrong. And it felt like, I almost felt like guilty or like I shouldn't be resting or I shouldn't be taking this time for myself. And I think it's, it's just like really being able to listen to yourself and really being able to honor yourself and trust yourself that what, that these, as things shift and change, that you're not wrong, there's no way things are supposed to be and that it's okay for things to change in the seasons of the year, in the seasons of your life, or depending on the stresses or the things that you're moving and going through. Mm. I was actually funny enough reflecting on exactly the same idea of we can get stuck in doing things by rote. And I was just writing an Instagram post about this in relation to moving my body in pregnancy, because I love to, when I get onto the yoga mat, I love to just creatively move my body and explore and just be in a really like creative yoga flow space. And as I've been kind of getting more and more um, into the pregnancy and babies growing a bit more, there's things that I do that I would usually do day in, day out that are becoming more challenging for me to do. So just simply like from a downward dog position, stepping your foot forward is like quite a challenge now. And what it's doing is that it's bringing me into the sense of embodiment through the body, whereas in our heads, when we, especially if we're someone who practices yoga a lot, we can come into this practice that we do all the time. And there is some kind of surface level of presence because we are doing yoga, so we must be present in the body. But we also get into this habit of, well, I'm do I did this pose exactly like this yesterday, so I must just do it exactly the same today. And I'll do it the same tomorrow, and I'll do it the same the next day. And it's this idea of not actually taking the time to check in. How does my tissue feel? How does the fascia feel? How do the joints, the muscles, the bones, everything that make up my physical being, how is it responding to this particular moment in time? And I think 
that when we have these routines or these rituals in our lives to continuously take time to assess, to evaluate, is this serving me right now? Perhaps something comes up in your day where, or in your life where you've got something, something that you've got a new job and you are working different shifts and suddenly the morning routine that you had previously no longer fits in with your life or you have um, a really bad night's sleep or you have something that goes on in your close family circle that kind of ruffles things up or you on holiday or these different things that go on like how can you day by day check in with yourself, check in with what you need and then serve yourself in still within those structures and boundaries so that you are not just getting it become a thing of, I'll do it today, I won't do it tomorrow. It's still, there's the discipline and there's the routine of it, but you really are allowing yourself to check in with a little bit of compassion for where you are day to day. Yeah, totally. And and as you were just talking, what I was thinking is often when there is a stress, when there is a new job, when there is a change in schedule, when there's a baby on the way, when there's a house move or whatever might be going on, we want to clutch for certainty. So it's very easy for us to pick something that maybe worked in the past, but just because something worked for us in the past, it's not necessarily congruent with where we are now. Sometimes people will have a whole lot of stress going on and they're like, I just need to work out to burn off all the stress, but the, the intensive exercise is creating more stress. Or they're like, I'm going to go on a 12-week body composition transformation <laughs> where actually, you know, the maybe restrictive dieting or a lot of headspace now being taken up by food is not the most nourishing action. Or, you know, in some cases, people may turn to drinking more or other sort of coping mechanisms which are kind of more obviously destructive. But sometimes the things that we think are self-care can be a little bit sneaky when it's actually more of a grasp for certainty than the most nourishing thing. So I love this idea about having these routines and rituals because routine does create certainty, but just checking that what is actually happening inside of them is what we need and is what is the most nourishing thing. And I think also what's really powerful is when you can start to establish that certainty within yourself, as opposed to the routines that you do so that you're not using the external thing to create the certainty and the stability. So you're not using, I must do this at five o'clock every single day. Otherwise I'm going to feel uncertain and unstable. And whatever that practice is, it could be ping pong at five o'clock in the morning. It could be running a marathon, whatever it is, but you're no longer using that external thing as your sense of certainty and stability, but the practice that you do invites or in, encourages that sense of stability and certainty within yourself. So there's a very big difference between pegging yourself on an activity versus that activity, that practice that brings you the certainty from within. And that's certainly what I have experienced over this last while with the morning routine that I have established in these past few, few months. So tell us a little bit more about your morning routine, Shay, and how it's working for you. Yeah. So the first step that I do is morning pages, which is a consciousness streaming exercise. And this is consciousness streaming writing is not something that is new. It's been around for ages, but who made it popular in the morning. And this kind of concept was a woman, Julia Cameron, whose work I absolutely love. She's written The Artist's Way, and she speaks a lot about this overlap between spirituality and creativity, which is something I'm a huge believer in. So I'm a huge fan of her work. And she popularized 
popularized this idea of doing consciousness streaming first thing in the morning. And the reason why it's important to do it first thing in the morning is that you are mentally clear for whatever's coming through or whatever you are putting onto the page or whatever you're writing. And consciousness streaming is where you don't censor yourself. You don't hold back anything. You don't worry about whether it's going to be grammatically correct. You don't worry about spelling. You just write, 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 whatever comes for three pages or however long you are dedicating. It could be you set your timer for seven minutes or whatever it is. And the reason why it's in the morning is that if you did it at the end of the day, what happens is that the things that you write about or the things that come out on the page are just a pure commentary on the things that have happened in your day. So you might end up writing about the conversation that you had. You might end up writing about an event that occurred in the day. You might end up writing about how you are feeling after the end of a busy day. Whereas if you write in the morning, there's none of that stuff is present in the day. None of it's happened yet so that you are writing from a much purer place. And that is essentially the consciousness talking. So it's a very good practice for getting into the intuition as well is, is tapping into this other space or the stuff that is coming through before the mind gets involved, before the day has started and before things are in your head and swirling around and you have some kind of like commentary on it. So I think that's also really important is that it must be done first thing in the morning, which is where I've, I've chosen to put it. So I wake up and do um, three pages of this consciousness streaming exercise and if you feel like you don't have anything to write, you just write, I don't have anything to write until your three pages are done or you have something to write and something comes. Then once I have done that, I do a gratitude list of 10 things. And this has been something that's been really, really beautiful. And I've shared it with so many people and they've just all had like wonderful experiences of putting this into their day. And it really does have a really positive, uplifting and soul nourishing effect on us because it asks us to seek out what's good. And that is essentially changing our perception of the world. It's changing our viewpoint and it's creating a new lens through which we look at life. And so 10 things is, I would say, a good place because if you just limit yourself to, to choosing three things that you're grateful for, it's quite easy to rattle those things off. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for my body, grateful for my house, grateful for my partner. And those, those things are like kind of your top things that you could maybe return to again and again. But choosing 10 things really actually, again, takes that moment of slowing down. I actually do have to think about this. It's not something that can just be food, home, warmth, whatever it is, but really beyond those three things, what more three things could I, could I be grateful for? And then what another three things, and then one more. So it's like, it really is that, that moment of slowing down and just reconnecting to the things that are good in your life. And if you feel that it's really impossible for you to connect to things that you might be grateful for, then you can always start with things that you're grateful that are not in your experience. So I'm grateful that I don't have a leaking roof in my house. I'm grateful that my car tires didn't go flat yesterday. I'm grateful that I didn't run out of petrol yesterday. Like there's so much that we can be grateful for, even if it is in the things that are not showing up in our lives. So I do the morning stream pages and I do 10 things of gratitude. 
And after that gratitude list, if there's anything that's come up in the morning pages or the consciousness streaming that I've been doing, and I don't go back and reread it, I just have an idea of the themes and concepts that are coming through. And often, if you do this over a consecutive period of time, you'll notice similar themes start coming up. And that's where you know, like, oh, this is maybe something that I need to dive into, I need to look at, or I need to reflect on in some way. And if I have enough time or if I feel that there's something that's come up that's quite relevant or quite of value, then I will ask myself a question related to that theme or to that concept. And I've written a blog post all about this and I'll link it into the show notes. But the value of the answers that you get from these questions is really determined on the value of the question that you're asking. So if you want to get really insightful answers from yourself, from your intuition, your consciousness, wherever it's coming from, you need to be asking the right questions to yourself because the mind will get involved and it will try and just ask the surface level questions. But if you can really access deeper, then it gives you more insight into where you are currently with a certain situation or a certain thing that's showing up in your life again and again. So I take some time to formulate a question with that and then answer it. Just let myself answer as if I already know the answer or as if the higher part of me or some wise in a knowing part of me can answer that question. And it's really, it's a really useful practice to do and what and how questions are really um, useful and valuable here as a place to start if you're unsure about that. That's actually what the value of coaching is like the best coaches ask the best questions. And so mm. when you're in coaching, having someone outside of you ask the questions you don't, might not want to ask yourself. So yeah, very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the, that's the truth of it is that it's the questions that we don't want to ask ourselves. And I think you've carved out that time in the morning for yourself you are not kind of flustered by the day and things haven't come up where it makes you feel like oh I'm already feeling a little bit shaky because of this interaction that I had today that's destabilized my sense of worth a little bit so I'm definitely not going to interact with that question that I know I need to ask Mm. whereas like when you're waking up and you're clear it's like okay what can I dive into this now here it's just me alone in this space it's maybe dark outside and especially if you're doing this in January like it's dark outside it's cold how can I just sit with myself and what do I need for myself in this moment without all the the stuff that comes at us through the day so yeah really really useful insightful if you have time to do that and then once I have done that then I sit for meditation and again this is also this this idea of where the energy comes in. And when I was on my um, second yoga teacher training in India, they were saying that, you know, you start the day with meditation because it aligns with the energy of the morning. So while everything is still quiet, it's still still, there's still peace around before the busyness of the day. And especially if you in a busy city where there's stuff going on, you might hear people rushing to the train or cars starting to go past. Like you have that a little bit, more silent time in the morning where things are stiller, which connects to the energy of meditation. So keeping that in the morning, keeping that in that time. And then as the day gets busier, so your energy levels get busier. So you might move into a movement practice or do a yoga practice or go for a walk or whatever it is that you're going to get on with the rest of your day. And so those are the top four things that I have been doing that I've found is really, it's not an 
overwhelming thing to do and it's not hugely time consuming and it really does have a profound impact on the nervous system which gives you that sense of grounding and that sense of stability yeah I was thinking as you were sharing this is two things I wanted to say one of the things was just to come back to this idea of doing things first thing in the morning and that's that's why I choose to do my meditation like first thing before I've engaged with anything else is, is to, to keep myself more in that kind of slower. Is it a slower brainwave state? I can't remember the exact science of it. It's amazing how much, how busy my brain is though. It's still first thing in the morning. But just fun fact is because I wear an aura ring. So when I sleep, my aura ring will measure, it measures deep sleep, it measures light sleep, it measures REM and it measures when you're awake. And because I get up and I start meditating so quickly after I've woken up is it still is actually recording my meditation like it was my sleep. And I've seen on my aura data that it, when I when I've meditated first thing in the morning, it, it shows as not the whole thing, but it shows at least always a chunk of it um, in REM, which is the theta brainwave state. So it's just been really, really interesting to observe that. Like it's it's picking my aura ring is picking up that actually when I'm going into that meditation first thing, it's recording it like it would be REM sleep. And I don't know the exact science behind it without actually doing a little bit more research. But when we we need a certain amount of deep sleep each night and we need a certain amount of REM sleep each night because there's certain biological processes that happen in that time. And it's just really interesting to see how the meditation has a direct impact on that variable. Mm. So that was just the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing I wanted to say was, or ask at least, is how do you think your routine is going to shift once baby arrives? Because I know certain people will be listening to this podcast and feel really inspired and other people will be listening to this podcast thinking, how, where could I even fit in all those practices in a morning? How are you thinking you may change your routine or maybe you don't know yet? Maybe you're going to feel your way through it. Or are there any tips you could maybe give to people who are just thinking, I really want to do this. I really want to ground my energy. I buy into the fact that that's good for me, but how? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because one of the things that came up when I started, because I just started sharing the gratitude list. That was the thing that I started sharing online. And so many people connected to it and they were like, what are you doing? How are you doing this practice? What is your thing? What do you do before that? Where do you get these questions from? And I had a lot of like uh, questions arising around it. So that's what led me to do the blog post and then saying to Anna, maybe we should do a podcast on this. And one of the questions that I got often was, but I'm, or the, I guess the excuse or the, oh, but I'm not a morning person came up a lot. Oh, but how do you do this morning routine? I'm not a morning person. And you're like, hello. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> guys, good news. I'm not a morning person either. Um, and so like when I, I wrote this blog post and I was like, I've got three tips for people who say that they are not a morning person. Number one, change your narrative. Number two, change your bedtime. Or number three, just decide that it's too hard for you to do and then miss out on the benefits of it. And it's a really profound thing for me to say that because I am not a morning person. Like I'm not a morning person. I definitely would say that pregnancy has changed my, I would say clock a little bit because I'm awake now because I am awake now 500 times a night. So go and wee. But it's like, like today, this morning, I was awake probably at around six o'clock and 
well, to be honest, I hadn't really slept much because I was <laughs> awake at four o'clock and awake at five o'clock. And at six o'clock, I was just awake. And I was like reflecting on this because my usual self back in before I was established in this routine, I would have thought, oh, it's cold outside. It's so dark. I don't want to switch the lights on and wake Warren up. I'll just lie here in bed and just be like cozy in this bed. And it's like much more like warm and toasty to be inside and not get up and, and do this because usually I'll do this, um, the, the writing and everything in bed. But since Warren was still sleeping and I didn't want to wake him up with the lights, I thought, I've got two choices. I can either stay here and be warm, safe, comfortable, or I can just get up since I'm awake and go and do what I want to do. And even that choice was like, oh, wow, I don't really want to be cold and go and have to like get my dressing gown from the bathroom and wake up and go and do these morning pages. But I think that since I have become so established in this routine now, and I know and can feel the benefits of my, for myself, that it was actually a very easy decision to, to make. And I got up and went to the lounge where it was a bit colder and it was not as cozy, but I had that routine established so I could easily like, okay, this is my choice because I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been reflecting on this idea as well of what this is going to look like when the baby comes, because Obviously, and this is why I said at the beginning, like, I think it's important to recognize that you have different seasons in your life where things may change and things may shift. And there's two reflections that I've had on it. And the first one is that I'm hoping that there is some level of this has become internalized for me, where whether it's done in the morning or in the evening or wherever it is, that I can carve out these five minutes for myself or these 10 minutes for myself or however much time I have to be able to do these practices that bring me so much stability, that bring me so much grounding, because I feel like when we have these external things that are changing, like a new baby, a house move or a new job or anything that's causing some kind of disruption in our external world, these practices become more important and more valuable to us. So the first thing is that I'm hoping that it's internalized enough that I can maintain this um, routine in some way, even if it looks different than how it does now. And the second thing is that I can imagine that when you have a newborn, like your concept of morning is just like non-existent. It's just like (laughs) one long night of no sleep. (laughs) So I feel like the whole idea of a morning routine is going to be completely like defunct because what is my morning? What is my evening? It's all just the same, one blur of non-sleepingness. So yes, and that's where I think the, the idea of tuning in and finding compassion for yourself and where can I fit this in and where does it feel like it's really supportive to my life versus draining for my life. And in the example of say a newborn or a mother who's like, oh, I really want to do this, but I just, I I can't, like, I don't have five minutes in the morning because that's really when I just start to fall asleep and everything, you know, children have been up and awake the whole night. And now I've got to suddenly wake up early and do this thing. You have some compassion for yourself, realize that this is a season of your life and maybe shift that to a mid-morning practice or an afternoon practice. I I think there's value for sure in doing it in the morning, but if it doesn't serve you, if it's feeling like it's draining you, then where could you put it so that it feels nourishing for you? Yeah, I think doing it versus not doing it is, you know, whether that's in the morning or another time of the day, you're always going to get something from doing it Mm. than you will from not doing it. 
Something else to add, I was listening to Brene Brown interview Emily and Amelia Nagoski about their book, Burnout. One of the things they said on the podcast, which I really liked, was that self-care has to, it's got to be important to you. Your self-care has to be important to the whole family, which means that the whole family groups together to protect everybody's need for self-care, which might mean sorry, Warren, here's a baby. <laughs> I'm off to do my routine or whatever it is. Because at least this is sometimes the vibe that some of the women I work with, they're like, I wanted to do your yoga practice, but then my kids were in the room and my husband didn't stop them or whatever. And I think it's about like, everybody has to understand this is important and why it's important. Because when you're grounded and connected, you show up as the best version of you and then you can be there for the rest of your family. And everybody has to act as a team to protect that time that you need. And then you also do the same. You work as a team to protect the time of your other family members so that they can have the things that fill up their cup. Mm. I think that's so beautiful. And this is definitely a concept that has been coming back to me again and again. And it's, it's, it's featured in many, many of my morning consciousness streaming writing practices and it's something that they talk about in this really beautiful book called The First 40 Days, which is the first 40 days of your postpartum period. And it's exactly that practice or that those principles rather of when the mother is nourished and grounded and supported, then she can access those tools that make her the best mother for the family. And it's the same for anybody in the family. When you have the support, when you have the structures, when you have the things that are put in place that allow you that time for self-care, for nourishment, for feeling supported, loved, safe, and whether that's coming from external or whether you're culti cultivating that from within, when you feel that you are filled up within yourself, then you can mother in the best way. You can be a friend in the best way. You can show up in your business in the best way. You can be a partner in the best way. You can be a sister, a sibling, whatever it is that you are needing to connect to. It's really important that you take that time to create that space for yourself. Yeah. And the way that I think of it is it's not about like, I'm going to fill up my cup and then here I am full. It's like while I'm pouring from my cup, someone else is pouring into me and it's this cycle of energy so that I you know like I'm full and nourished. And because I'm so full and nourished, I can help these people be full and nourished, but because they're full and nourished, they're helping me be full and nourished. And then the cycle continues. Whereas if you're trying to fill up your cup, but it's coming up against resistance or boundaries that are being crossed or there's poor communication in the household or whatever, whatever it is, it's just constantly going to feel draining and everybody gets depleted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, is there anything that you want to add about anything that you're doing in your mornings or anything that you feel is um, useful for people to hear? You have a really early time clock what is the mm. average time that you get up you said you have a specific time each day that you wake up so I I haven't woken up to an alarm for years because fortunately my body clock just allows me to wake up way before anything urgent needs to happen in the day and and that's unless I've got to get like a 6 a.m flight somewhere which 
because of COVID is definitely not happening anytime soon. So I, I wake up naturally, which I always think is the best way to wake up. And that could be anywhere between 5.30 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. If I sleep until seven, I'm like, whoa, bonus. Um, <laughs> get a little bit more rest. I'm a natural early bird. So it's very easy for me to do and to wake up and to engage in these practices. And because of that, sometimes I'm like, especially since being unwell and not being able to go to the gym, one of the things I actually struggled with more so than anything was just having all this time in the morning and not knowing what to do with it because it has always been so jam-packed and filled up. And there must be some people with kids listening to me at the moment thinking, you bitch. But, <laughs> Sorry. That's your time. <laughs> I am also working through chronic illness. So um, I need a lot of time for that just for my rest. So, you know, it, you know, everybody picks their, picks their heart. But I think the biggest adjustment for me was just getting used to slowing down in the morning and not pumping in the coffee, pumping in the hard exercise, trying to do a million tasks for my business before it had even gone eight o'clock. So yeah, just giving yourself permission to go slow if you have the time available can be such a gift. And if you don't have that time available to find it in the pockets that you can. Um, but something else I think that we touched on before we started the show is that this episode is due to be published in January. And I think after the year that 2020 has been and the, the, the kind of like new year energy where everybody's like new year, new you, must be doing, must be changing, must be growing. It can be very tempting to just want to fill space and to dive into the new year's goals. And maybe if it feels good to you, there's an invitation here to slow your January down instead of speed your January up. And what would happen if you could just take a little bit more time to ground into you and to connect with you in, in some form of routine. You can take inspiration from what I've shared, from what Shay has shared, but ultimately find your, your groove and just see what unfolds from there. That would just be an interesting thing to allow, an interesting gift to allow yourself to give yourself. Mm. I love Gabby Bernstein. She's got a quote that says, I slow down to speed up. And I think it's 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 exactly this concept is that the slower we are, the more effective we are in what we do. It doesn't mean that we're going at a faster pace, but we are, yeah, the energy of grounding and feeling slow actually has a really exponential effect on the things that, and the changes that we wish to see and make in the world. So I think that's also really useful. Yeah, there's a Zen quote, which I shared on my Instagram a little while ago, which is, you know, you should meditate for an hour every day, unless you're too busy, in which case you should meditate for two hours. And I don't think that this should be taken literally. I'm not saying if you're busy, you must meditate for two hours, but it's this idea of turning up the slow when, when life is asking you to speed up. And I had someone who I think took it quite literally on my Instagram and said, well, that sounds like, you know, something for someone who's very privileged and has a cushy job and a, you know, husband paying the bills or whatever. And I think we're all just in different circumstances. And, you know, some people do have the luxury to slow down more so than others. And I think when life is busy and you're trying to hold everything together, it can feel really scary to slow down because mm. there's this belief that, if you slow down a little bit more that um, things will fall apart or things will self-destruct and and that will just be another threat that you you have to deal with. So I get that. 
so I think it's maybe this idea of if you if you really struggle with the idea of slowing down, what could you do to gently just initiate applying the brakes? Mm. So what would be one small thing that you can do? Mm. And I think that's so important to touch on the idea of privilege, because as you say, like we all have different life circumstances, different events and different things that we're trying to manage in our existence. But then that comes back to this idea of what is right for you. And even the slowing down, if you don't have 20 minutes in your morning or 15 minutes or 10 minutes in your day to be able to access a grounding meditation, then while you are waiting for the groceries in the grocery line or while you are at the post office in the queue, how can you take that as an opportunity to stand and mentally slow down? Because it's not about the physical slowing down because you can still be going fast in your day, but you have a mental slowing down. And I think that's where the difference comes in. And that's where it's really powerful for us. Yeah, I love that. And uh, it's this idea of life as a spiritual practice. It's just, you know, when you get to the post office and there's four people ahead of you in the queue, that's an opportunity to just ground your feet and take a few big breaths or in whatever circumstance that you're in. So there's, there's always these little pockets of time available to us. And part of the responsibility that we have is just allowing ourselves to be open to receiving them. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the podcast. And as always, and we really appreciate if you are inspired by this episode to share it with a friend, to share it with someone who you think might enjoy the show. Obviously, if you know people who listen to podcasts who maybe haven't heard of ours yet, it would be awesome if you could share that with them just to help other women get some inspiration. Yeah. Thank you always and have a beautiful year. Have a beautiful year. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week.